0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. How many of you know that our world has become absolutely expert at the counterfeit? We have counterfeit everything. We have counterfeit designer bags. We have counterfeit Tiffany. We have counterfeit Rolex watches. We have counterfeit Everything, And years ago, um, Ben's sister, he, she used to be part of um, a worship band that travelled the world. And they went to a place called Bali, which is very near Australia. And in Bali, on the beach, you can get Prada bags, Rolex watches, and Tiffany bracelets. And my daughter rang me and said, Mum, do you want a Prada bag? 20 bucks. Do you want a Prada bag? And I'm like, okay, yep. Yeah. Yep. The problem was when it came home and it looked great, it had the name Prada, it was the right colour, looked great. The problem was after about two weeks, the P fell off. <laughs> so I was the only person and I still am in the whole world that's got a Prada bag, <laughs> a Prada bag. Because how many of you know, counterfeits look the same. They may even have the same name, but they cannot deliver. They cannot deliver. And unfortunately, there are gods that actually carry the name Jesus, but they are not the Jesus of the Bible. They are not. Let me give you some examples. I went once to have um, a facial and I'm not big on that sort of stuff, but my girls are always trying to help me along. So they said, Mum, you go to this lady's house. So I'm like, okay, okay. And when I went in, I noticed that she had all these little idols all in a row, many, many, many of them. So I started to share with her and talk with her and told her I was a Christian. And she actually produced, she said, oh, I serve Jesus too. And she went out of a collection of little idols and picked up one that had a cross. She said, see, I serve Jesus too. How many of you know, that is not the Jesus of the Bible? Then I've had other girls, you know, who in church and guys, whatever, but they're absolutely obsessed with with this one guy, absolutely obsessed, thinking about him, dreaming about him, trying to position themselves near him, you know, and they, they pray and they pray, Lord, Lord, you know, I really want this guy. And, you know, is he gonna be my husband? And the answer they get is yes. But the next week, the problem is he actually gets engaged to someone else. And they're devastated. What happened? The voice that they're healing, they think it's Jesus. They think it's God, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. You know, what about the Jesus who forgives me and gets me to heaven, but does not radically change my life? That is not the Jesus of the Bible. He wants more than to help you live with your depression. He wants to heal you of your depression. That's the Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible. And in the Bible, we have been warned of deception. And I wanna read from 2 Corinthians 11, three to four. But I am afraid That as the serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you submit to it readily enough. Now, what Paul is actually saying, he's like, listen. There are people out there that are actually professing another Jesus and I don't want you to be deceived. What a clever scheme of the enemy to flood the world with counterfeits, to flood the world where people think they are serving Jesus, they believe they are serving Jesus, but they are not serving the Jesus of the Bible. And one of the most dangerous counterfeits that of all is is this one. And it's the one where we chisel off the bits of the Bible that we actually don't like. We chisel off those bits and we are left with a Jesus that thinks like me, looks like me, agrees with me and will not challenge me. But that is not the Jesus of the Bible. And at one stage, I was, um, I was praying into this about it for my own life. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit said, have a look at all the verses in your Bible that you haven't underlined. You know, the ones that you kind of don't really like. You know, we underline our favourite ones. And I'm a mercy girl. So I have, my favourite verses are things like where Jesus, you know, where all these, they've f- thrown this poor woman, caught in adultery um, at the foot of Jesus and He comes and He says, neither do I condemn you. That's, they're the ones I love. I love those verses. Where he's talking to the Pharisees, I never really liked that much. I always thought he was a bit harsh. And so I don't have any of, truly, I don't have any of them underlined. Until one day the Holy Spirit said to me, why not? Um, And I started to ask Him about this. You know, why why did you speak to the, the Pharisees like this? And He said to me these words, He said, Debbie, I love them enough to give them what they needed, not what they wanted. And it set me free to understand how to really love people, to give them what they need, not what they want. You see, Jesus was prepared to pay the price for people not to like Him, to tell them the truth. And the question that I asked myself, am I prepared to do that? And I prepared to actually tell people the real truth, in love, absolutely in love, but the real truth to see them saved, truly saved, healed, And set free. And they may not like me, but am I prepared to do that? Because I think we've got to come face to face with the uncomfortable scriptures. And we've got to sit with them for a while. And sit under them for them for a while. And let them speak to us to make sure that we are embracing all that Jesus Christ says He is. Every part of Him not just the bits that we like, and not just pretending that he didn't really say it or he didn't mean what he said, but every bit of it, really embracing it. You know, what about the rich young ruler scripture? You know that one where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus um, about you know eternal life. He asks Jesus um, and Jesus um, tells him, and, and firstly, he tells him to, to you know, follow the commandments. And this young man says, I've done that. And Jesus doesn't correct him. So he's probably done a better job than I have. <laughs> but Jesus said these words to him, go and sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. And he went away very sad. Now we understand that God is not upset about anyone having money, but it's a question of who owns that money. You know, who owns it? And my concern is this, that when I've read that, sometimes I think, oh, I'm so glad God didn't ask me that. He didn't ask me to do that. But have I created a Jesus that would actually never ask me to do that? Have I actually created that Jesus? Because the Jesus of the Bible actually did. So can I just say, and this may seem very extreme, But can I just say to you these words? If you can't give something away, you probably should. And that may sound extreme. Yes, it is. Because I serve an extreme God who has an extreme Gospel to tell, right? Because He wants to fill you with extreme power. The power that will enable you to place your hand on someone and see them brought back to life. Right, it says these people, well, these, will fol- these signs will follow those that believe. right? And, and I think we've got to push harder toward really embracing the truth and the reality of all that Jesus says He is. You know, the same Jesus that rescued that woman caught in a said to her, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. The same Jesus that healed that crippled man with one touch at the pool of Bethesda. He had been for 38 years he'd been paralyzed. With one touch of Jesus, he was healed. What did Jesus say to him? John 5:14, see you have been made well, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, how politically incorrect is that? Really? Did Jesus really say that? Let me have another look. Yes. Now, (laughs) Jesus is not saying that everyone who is sick, right, it's because they've sinned. He is not saying that. But what He is saying is that it is possible for sin to open the door of the demonic in your life. That is what He is saying because a Jesus who is comfortable with sin in our life is not the Jesus of the Bible. It is not the Jesus of the Bible. We serve, when we serve the true Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, when we give our life over to Him, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. We also, the Word says in Second Peter, get God's nature. So we are no longer comfortable with sin the fundamental very core of who we are has changed. It has completely changed and we're not comfortable with sin anymore because the person who loved doing all that stuff is dead. They're actually dead because you're a new creation. Now you've still got to walk out, walk out and learn new patterns. You still walk out of old patterns and, and that's a process. You know, sometimes it can be instant in certain areas of our life, but generally it's a process. We still have to walk out of those old patterns. But the deal is you don't want to sin anymore. You don't feel comfortable with sinning anymore. You feel bad. And if you don't, you are not serving the Jesus of the Bible. You are not because the Holy Spirit inside of you convicts you of sin and righteousness. There's another Jesus, a false Jesus, who cheers you on with whatever you wanna do. And I'm not talking about sin, but just whatever you wanna do, He cheers you on. His job is actually to facilitate you to do whatever you wanna do. That is not the Jesus of the Bible, that's a genie. If you want that, go get yourself a genie because that is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible's job is actually to empower you to do the will of the Father. He empowers you to do the will of the Father because as you do the will of the Father, your life will never be the same again. You will be happier and more fulfilled than you have ever been in your life. And I have seen so many people shipwrecked because they've thought this amazing plan and God could facilitate it, but it's not His will. It's not His will for your life. And that's why we've got to make sure that the Jesus we are serving is the Jesus of the Bible. You know, idolatry is a very, very dangerous thing because anything we allow in our life to become more important than Jesus Christ actually has a voice and that voice speaks. And I wanna explain this to you by going to a scripture in Ezekiel fourteen four, And this is what it says. Thus says the Lord God, every one of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity and then comes to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. Now, what does that actually mean? What does that scripture mean? This is what it means. And this scripture actually, I heard Jack Hayford um, speak on this and it really did change my life. Because what it means is this, that if you have something, if you're obsessing about something, let's take our our little friend that was obsessing about the guy in church, right? She wants to marry him. She's thinking about him, just focusing, obsessing all the time about him. And he becomes the idol. But it doesn't have to be the boy or the girl. It can be the business deal. It can be your children, which was the case in my life. It could be something else. But let's, for example, just so I can explain this Scripture, go back to the girl. So she's obsessing and obsessing about him. Okay, then she comes and prays, Lord, is this gonna be my husband? What she's gonna hear is a yes. Because you see, behind every idol, 1 Corinthians tells us, is a demon and that demon, according to this Scripture, will tell you what you wanna hear and you will think it's God, but it is not God, it's a demon speaking. That's why it is critical for all of us to pull down every idol in our life. Make sure it comes under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, put it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because He wants to give you, a, you know, a far more powerful life. You know, I had, that was the story of my own life with my own children. Um, they were the idol. And I used to pray about them all the time, all the time until the Holy Spirit once said to me, don't mention their names to me again. I'm like, get behind me, Satan, I'm the mother. That's what I should do. But the Holy Spirit said, get, no, just worship me. And I would love to say to you, that was really easy. And I'd start worshipping, then I just need to tell you about Rebecca. Just in case you've forgotten, she's with this dreadful guy and we need to deal with that. You know, I kept going and it took me weeks until finally I realised what, what he was getting at. And I started to worship him. As I worshipped Him, all the issues with the kids suddenly just got dealt with. They got dealt with, they got dealt with because that's the the Jesus that we serve. So how do you know what's real? And how do you know what isn't? How do you know who the real Jesus is? Well, I was watching a documentary on television about um, fake currency, counterfeit currency. And they had an expert and they asked him this question, what is the key to detecting um, counterfeit currency? And he said, the key is intimate knowledge of the real. Intimate knowledge of the real. So you see, just as we wind up, I wanna spend a few moments on who the real Jesus is and what He's actually really done for us. Because He's made it very clear and spelt it out exactly who He is and what He does. I'm reading from Luke four sixteen to 21. For the sake of time, I'm just gonna start at 18. But this was when Jesus started His earthly ministry and He read from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. Then just skipping down, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You see, this is what the real Jesus does. And He's actually announcing to them all, He is the Messiah. And this is what I am anointed to do. He is the same as we've heard from the stage, yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He has not changed. So what He was saying that He would do when He was on this earth, He still does today because He's the same. Yesterday, today and forever. And He also commissions us to do the same. And I just have some water, please. So the first thing He does is preach. He said He's gonna preach the Gospel. Thank you the Gospel to the poor, I'll keep it, okay. (laughs) He's gonna preach the Gospel to the poor and proclaim that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. He is announcing, because of what I'm about to do, this is what's gonna happen to you. If you believe in me, this is what I'm gonna do for you. And I want you to listen very carefully. Your sin... Everything you've ever done, everything you will ever do has been and will be completely washed away in my blood. You will be completely clean. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness, not just the stuff you've done, but the stuff that has been done to you. The blood of Jesus totally, absolutely cleanses you. Because He says to them, what He's saying to them, because I am going to take your place. I am going to be punished for everything that you have ever done. I'm going to take the full punishment. My body's going to be ripped apart, but I do this because I want to take the punishment for everything that you've done so that you stand free and you stand completely whole and healed. You will be a brand new creation. God, Almighty God will forget everything that you have ever done wrong. Everything that you have ever done wrong, He will forget. You see, the old person, when you say yes to Jesus, as I said, the old person's dead. It is quite legal for you to say, I never did that. Because the person that did that stuff is dead. Dead, gone, over, it's finished. All things have passed away and all things are new. You know, in Scripture in Revelation where it says, you know, when we meet Him in heaven, He will wipe away every tear. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me one day, what what do you think that's all about? And um, this is what I felt Him say to me. He said, Debbie, when you... When, you, you know, when you're in heaven, and when we're in heaven, Jesus is actually gonna read out an account of your life. But everything you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever said wrong, every action that you did that, you, that, that is very shameful to you, it's completely wiped out. So the report is nothing but this glowing report. And you're gonna stand there and think, like, that's not me. That's not me. And you are gonna be crying because you will finally understand the power of the blood. You will finally understand that it's gone and it's over. And it is not, He doesn't even remember it. It no longer exists. You are now adopted into my family, Jesus is saying. You are adopted into my family because I've chosen you. I've chosen you to be in my family. And my, your Father now is Almighty God. And when you want to relate to Him, when you need to ask Him for something or you need Him to do something, He is going to relate to you as if you were Jesus. He is actually going to relate to you as if you were Jesus. Because you see, when Jesus is saying, When I go to the cross, I am going to give you my righteousness. So when uh, you will have a robe of righteousness so when when Father God when you ask him for anything right he looks at you and he sees the right he just sees righteousness because you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that's what Jesus has done for you It's pretty mind blowing And also you have the Holy Spirit as your helper. The Holy Spirit, the powerhouse living inside of you. I want for one minute for you to say to yourself, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me if He was able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, do you not think that He can heal you? Do you not think that He can deliver you? Do you not think that He can deal with any issue that you've got? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You also have eternal life, never to be separated ever from God. So you don't have to fear death. You know, Ian's mother, who was a great mentor of mine, because I was first-generation Christian, so my husband actually led me to the Lord and his mum was a great mentor of mine. And as she got older and, um, you know, when she was late in life, she was so excited to die. She's like, I can't wait because I'm gonna meet Jesus. I can't wait, it'll be so exciting. You know, and um, that's the way that you will approach death. (coughs) Because you actually don't die don't die, you actually don't. You see, for all eternity, you live with a God who loves you. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is is with you in the good times, in the difficult times, in the storms, whatever you need, He's right there. He's there to comfort you, He's there to protect you, He's there to help you, He's there to guide you. He is there the whole time, right? But this Word says that this is only to be preached to the poor the poor in spirit. What does that mean? In the Greek, that means only those who actually have a need. In the Greek, that word poor meant those that were so crippled, so depraved in every possible way. They could not possibly look after themselves. They could not possibly take care of themselves. And you see, if if Jesus did not have mercy on us, there would be no hope for us at all. No hope for us. But you see, He did. And He's saying, if you have a need, and if you recognise that you have a need, you see, we can't earn our salvation. You can't work for it. You can't try hard for it. You'll never be good enough for it. It is a free gift. And Jesus says, come on, I want you to take it. And I don't want you to embrace every part of it. But... There's a condition and it is this. I want every part of you in order for you to get every part of me. He also said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are oppressed. The word broken in the Greek there means to shatter into thousands and thousands of pieces. It, it, so that you could, it could never naturally be put back together again. And I know in this room, that's the broken hearted. There's some of you that, that, your hearts, that's exactly what's happened. Because of circumstances in life, they've been shattered. Your heart has been shattered. And my background is a psychologist. And I have great respect for doctors and psychologists. But can I just tell you this? If they had all the answers, I wouldn't be here now standing on a stage preaching Jesus Christ. I wouldn't. Only Jesus Christ can completely heal a heart that has been shattered into thousands and thousands of pieces. And that's what He does. And His Word in Psalm 37, um, 3715 says this, you know the very sword that the enemy used to get you maybe it was sexual abuse, maybe it was a financial disaster, but there was a specific sword. Maybe it was a marriage breakup that He used to get you, right? and He stuck it in really hard. Jesus Christ doesn't just pull it out and heal your heart and completely free you and deliver you if you allow Him. What He does, according to Psalm 37, He actually gives you that sword. And He says, right, now I'm empowering you to go after that demon in other people's lives. That demon of sexual abuse, that demon of financial ruin, that demon that caused marriages to break up, that demon of cancer, whatever it is, that sword is now in your hand. He also proclaims liberty to the captives, freedom from whatever is holding you bound. And I don't care what it is, it may be the big C called cancer. I curse you cancer in Jesus Christ's Name. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. The blood of Jesus Christ is enough. Right, but it can be pornography addiction. It can be anger. It can be addiction to substance abuse. It can be any number you know, of, of things that, that we are absolutely feel like we're in captive to. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. You know, numbers, but there is a name that is above every name. (laughs) His name is Jesus Christ. And He has declared that that is His job description. His job description is to set you free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But I haven't finished yet. I have not finished yet. Because it also says, I have been anointed to declare recovery of sight to the blind. What is He saying that He does? He says, physical healing is part of what I did for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. By the stripes that Jesus Christ bore on the cross, 1 Peter 2.24, you were healed. What do you mean were healed, Debbie? I'm still sick in my body. Everything that needed to happen for you to receive your healing, Everything that was needed was done by Jesus Christ at the cross. All you've gotta do is believe it. Healing is not a reward for good behaviour, okay? Jesus does not heal on that basis. Healing is not a reward for praying a lot, right? Jesus Christ heals because He is the healer. It's part of His nature. It's what He did on the cross. It's what He did on the cross. So let's completely embrace the real Jesus of the Bible. Do not create a Jesus um, on the basis of what you have seen not happen. I have prayed for thousands and thousands of people. Have I seen thousands healed? No. Have I seen hundreds healed? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I have. I have seen the most phenomenal miracles. But I also see that people create a false Jesus that doesn't heal because they prayed for someone once and that person didn't get healed. As I said, Jesus has done His part. He died and He rose again in victory, right? That was His part. Then He places His Spirit within us and He says, I want you to release the power of the Holy Spirit from within you and lay hands on the sick and dare to believe and keep doing it. Keep persisting until it starts to happen. And still it starts to happen. Just keep going and you will be amazed at what your Jesus does. Right, not only does He heal, He anoints you with the Holy Spirit. You have, as we've said, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Everything that you need, the Holy Spirit will provide for you. You know, our life as believers is supposed to demonstrate what the real Jesus looks like. That's what it's supposed to, the people out there, they can't see Jesus. They look at you, they look at your life, they look at your face, they look at your actions, they look at your behaviour and your life is supposed to demonstrate what Jesus Christ does. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. And if you're backslidden in this room, you know why you're backslidden? Because you're following a boring Jesus who does nothing. Start following the real Jesus and step out in faith and start praying for the sick and start seeing people healed, and then you won't be backslidden anymore. You will not be backslidden anymore because He will back up your faith. You know, Jesus said in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's not a way. He is the way, the only way. And He backed it up by being raised from the dead and demonstrating exactly who He said He was. He also won a total and complete victory according to Ephesians 1.25. 21 to 22 over every demon in hell that could possibly come and attack you. He has won a total and complete victory over it. Destroyed them. All He's saying to you is, come on, rise up and take my victory and enforce it. Start declaring over your circumstances and situations the Word of God and you'll start to see breakthrough. You will start to see what the real Jesus wants to do.